Hi everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when and what do I do when, so that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining today. It is always a privilege to have you all listening in, and it is especially a big privilege today to welcome my guest, Philip Steinbacher, to this conversation. We've had the great fortune of overlapping in our community on a couple of different levels and offering support for um, gender expansive, questioning LGBTQ plus kids. Welcome, Philip, to the episode. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I always have folks just start a little bit like, how would you describe the journey that got you to this chair to have this chat? What should folks know about your bio and what brings you here? Wow, how how long is the podcast? Um, I am a cis gay male. Um, I I have a husband partner. We've been together for about 22 years. I think that's important to know. Uh, I grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania, about 5,000 people. And um, after college, I moved around a little bit. Uh, Lived in Orlando for a while and North Carolina and Chicago. And then I've been here, my husband and I have been here for 17 years. And um, what's relevant, I think, is that I was... uh, I always identified as gay, um, even in those younger years where, uh, you know, people say they knew from a very, very young age. I was, I was one of those people that I just always knew, even though of course I didn't have a name for it and I didn't understand what it was, but I had a lot of shame around it because, well, I don't know why, I don't know, I don't know where that comes from. It just, it just culturally, you just, you just have this sense that, I know this is who I am and I know this is what my authentic self is and what my feelings are. But even when people don't explicitly tell you it's wrong, you, you just get this message that it's bad and wrong somehow. So I kind of feel like I've always been a gay student and I think I have a sort of, you know, an affinity for, and I, I relate to, to LGBTQ kids because I, I know what that's like. I really know what that's like. And I taught school in Florida uh, North Carolina, in Illinois, and in Hawaii. So um, 
I've experienced and worked with kids from kindergarten all the way through senior high school, uh, worked in, I've, I've taught all kinds of things, worked in small groups, worked in large groups, worked with, um, you know, events and things like that. So I've worked literally one-on-one all the way up to, you know, working with groups of 200 people at the same time. So I have a pretty broad experience, um, working with human beings of all, all ilks and all, all, you know, walks of life and all kinds of things. Yeah. Well, and lucky me, because I think this is when, when I approach these things, I mean, I was thinking about today, we were talking a little bit about like how to, in the key elements that create safe spaces um, for, for young people in the community who are navigating identity. Um, and so you mentioned right off the bat, like how, even if nobody was actively communicating to you that there was something really wrong with you, that we know it's so pervasive, like that there's just heterosexuality is everywhere and there's an invisibility, right? In terms of, of role models that are named in communities, in literature, in classrooms. Tell me a little bit about the importance of um, folks who are visibly living in their true authentic selves and partnerships for young people. Yeah, that's uh, the visibility thing is, is really important. I don't know my growing up in a very small town in, in Pennsylvania, 5,000 people in the town where I grew up. And when I, you know, when I got to be an adolescent and, and a teenager, and I was starting to have a label for what I was feeling, right? Starting to say, oh, okay, I think this is gay. You know, like, this is what what's going on with me. This must be what this is. I felt like there, there were no, I didn't know anybody. I mean, anybody in, in any capacity besides at least my perception. Now, the truth is, who really knows, right? Who really knows what the percentages of people are that are not heterosexual? But from my perspective as a young teenager, I thought I was, I, I, it sounds so cliche, I almost hate to say, but I thought I was the only one. I really looked around and I thought there's nobody like me. There's nobody like me in my family. There's nobody like me in my church. There's nobody like me in my school. I am the only one that has this essential flaw. And it was terrifying to me. I mean, I kept thinking there's a certain, um, you know, there's a certain safety in being in your family unit and in your school. You know, there's, you, you, you learn to navigate in there. But at some point, I'm not going to be in school anymore. I'm not going to be in high school anymore. And I can't live with my parents forever in this little safety zone that I've created. And I'm going to have to go out into the world. And I, I, was, I was pretty naive. Um, but I didn't know where I was going to go or what was going to become of me, honestly, like what's going to happen to me when I'm not, you know, in this little cloister with my, my parents who, who weren't, who did the best they could do, of course, but still weren't doing the best by me under those circumstances. But I I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave because I, what, what was outside was worse. So I didn't, I didn't see that there was anybody else. I didn't think anybody else in my school was gay. And I, 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 I guess being so naive, I decided, well, I have to move either to New York city or to San Francisco. I mean, <laughs> and like, that's the only place I'm going to find a tribe. And, um, I didn't do that. You know, I went away to college and then I met other people and was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not the only one. But it was terribly, terribly lonely and terribly painful to, to feel like I really am, you know, I was dropped here from another planet and there's nobody, nobody understands. Nobody gets me. I don't know how to relate to anybody. I can't really ever tell anybody what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling or what my heart's desire is because nobody's going to get it. So it's, I think it's highly important that, that those of us who can come out and can be visible, do so. And, and, and not, I, you know, not everybody can. Right. And I get that. I'm not militant about that. Like everybody should come out. It's not safe for everybody to come out or some people are just not emotionally 
ready to come out. But those of us that can, I think we should. That we should. The, thank you for adjusting that. So so beautifully said, right? In terms of it isn't the only ticket to health and happiness, but for people that can, and when we're looking at elements of like what what will help young people experience less shame, experience less othering, experience less isolation. Um, and it's interesting when you look like statistically in your town of 5,000, you know, upwards of 500 people there could have all, right? <laughs> in terms of like, right. in right. theory, but I'm, and I'm pointing that out in theory, right? So, but this is what right. ends up happening is that people are sort of, you know, having the experience of hiding in plain sight, um, kind of a thing and having to keep part of themselves really isolated and, and protected and yet living lives navigating in and out of um, spaces in which gay folks are in, invisible, you know, maligned and humor that is very homophobic, but also very normalized in the context. Like people don't even really realize the implications of some of the language that they're using. So yeah, I think, yes, so the, the being willing to, to, if it's safe and if you can come forward and be an example of people being you and doing regular life too, at the same time in these spaces. Right. Absolutely. What was right. it? What it was doesn't, it? it doesn't mean, you know, yeah, thank you. It's it, like, it doesn't mean necessarily, you know, marching in a, in a pride parade and waving a flag. I mean, it means like, I don't know, you know, like going, going to the grocery store with your husband or, you know, for me or for a male, or, you know, cutting the grass or, you know, having a garage sale, or <laughs> it's just like showing, showing up in the world, uh, really trying to, to get away from this idea that there's certain activity, you know, like certain parts of you have to be kept secret and nobody can see those and know about those, you know, like we're all right. We're all human. And, and essentially we all just, we just want to be happy and be cared for and, have people in our lives that mean something to us and have meaningful work or, or activities. And we, we're all this, I mean, we're just the same and it's, it's really no different. Yeah. So yeah, if I had known that there was a gay mailman or, you know, or, 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 or the lady that worked in the bakery that my parents, you know, we had a, we had a local bakery and we would get stuff there every week and it's like, Oh wow. Okay. Yep. She has a, a partner. That's not a man, like just that. Yeah would have changed everything for me. And what's and along those lines, what have you seen as the power of visibility on, on school campuses, either in your own experience or what you know broadly, don't have to only speak to your experience. Like what have you seen when, when teachers or administrators or leaders in school communities intentionally create spaces or increase the visibility of the allyship or, or safe spaces on campuses? What kinds of stuff have you seen? Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, um, I am not, I'm not currently teaching, but the last school that I was at, I did start a GSA. I had always been out at the school, the private school, um, kindergarten through 12th grade private school. I was always out, um, in that I never, I never censored anything. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really, and I taught all grades, so I didn't, I just didn't censor anything, you know, like, and especially with the high school kids, I just refused to. So if I, you know, the weekend that my husband and I actually got married, uh, I went to school Monday and, you know, I was with some high school kids and I'm like, guess what I did yesterday? And they're like, what? I'm like, I got married. And they, you know, they were, they were, they were awesome. I mean, they were like, Oh my God, like we want to hear everything about it. And it was a, it was a last minute, you know, we, we had been partners for a long time, but this was uh, in 2013 when Hawaii um, passed marriage equality. And so we were one of the first on the Island to get our license and get married. And we, we have a friend who's a judge and we just like, let's just get married. Like, let's just do it. So I was always out in that sense or, or, and most of, most of my older students knew my husband because they'd see him in Starbucks or, you know, they'd see us out or whatever. So that, that, I think that's important. And, and I'm, I'm happy to have done that, but I learned, um, four or five years ago, a student stopped me in Starbucks and she 
a former student and she was 25 years old, I think. And she, we were, you know, reminiscing about her time in my class or whatever. And she came out to me and she said, you know, I want you to know I'm bisexual. And I said, okay, great. Thank you for telling me and thank you for trusting me. And she, she really had nothing but praise for me. Like, thank you so much. And I, I felt like there was a safe space at school. And even when I wasn't in your class, it was just nice to know you were there. And, and, you know, I felt good about that. Like, okay, this is, I'm really contributing in a, in a great way and a meaningful way. And then when I was driving home, I thought, well, Oh God, like, this is not so like now I'm, it doesn't feel so good because she was 25 before she felt like she could come, come out that she could really, you know, sort of claim who she was or, and I didn't like the way that felt. And I'm like, we have to do a better job of reaching these kids at any point in their development, you know, at any point in their development where they are questioning or they're unsure or they think, or they're exploring, or they want to talk to somebody about it. And so when I met what that was, that all happened over the summer. And then when I went back to school that fall, I went to the headmaster and said, I'm going to start a GSA. Like we, I feel like we need to do a better job. And he was very supportive of that. And so really like going back, answering your question, what happened was, a lot of the teachers, uh, presumably heterosexual, I, I don't know for sure, but all, all, all appearances were that they were, a lot of the teachers were coming out. Uh, one of the things we did, which is a very common thing, we got these rainbow stickers that said safe space. And I sent out an email to the staff and said, anybody wants a rainbow sticker to put on their bulletin board or on their door, just to let, you know, you don't even have to say anything, just to let the kids know like, hey, okay, I get a rainbow safe space. And we couldn't keep up with the, with the demand. I mean, we got rid of this whole first set and then we had to print more and teachers were always asking because now I want to put one on my door and on my bulletin board. And then later we got rainbow pins that the teachers were wearing so that even if they weren't in their classroom, if they were out on campus or in the lunchroom or, you know, doing bus duty or something, and a kid would see them with, the, with that rainbow um, pin, that would identify them as an ally. And the teachers became, um, they became quite proud of their, their allyship. Like they, they liked, you know, feeling like that they, they were being supportive. And I think they probably always were supportive, but I imagine that the way they were thinking was like, well, if a kid ever comes to me, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a good guy or I'm going to be a good girl. I'm going to like stand up for them. And I, of course I will support them and help them and talk to the bullies, but you know, they needed to make the first step. And the first step was just standing up and saying, I got your back. And um, and they didn't even have to say it. It was just a matter of agreeing to display these stickers or these pins. And then the GSA meetings were always open to anybody who wanted to come. And I would encourage teachers to come to a meeting and like, just pop in, just pop your head in and say, cause they were during lunchtime and, you know, I, I'm busy, I'm grading papers or I'm writing a test, but I just want to say, Hey, you guys just, hi, I'm here. And I support you. It, the, 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 the change in the dynamic of the campus was, was unbelievable. It was it, it, like, it was light years ahead after the smallest little things. And the teachers didn't have to stand up in the front of the room and give a speech or teach a lesson about LGBTQ history or talk about Stonewall or, you know, anything like that. All they had to do was wear a little pin or put a little sticker. Some of them did. Uh, the students reported to me that some of the students, like such and such a teacher, talked today about how, you know, they won't stand for bullying against LGBTQ kids. So that that's awesome. But it wasn't even, it wasn't necessary. And the comments that I got from not only teachers, administrators, staff members, you know, people who worked in the office and the business office or people who worked in the lunchroom was crazy. I mean, there there was this this mass movement really to, to stand behind these kids. And I think it changed, I think it changed the dynamic of the whole entire school campus, not, not to aggrandize the whole thing, but I think, it, I think it was a dramatic shift from the simplest little things. You know, it didn't take a lecture or a scolding, you know, it just took somebody saying, really, what you're saying is like, I'm opening my heart and here's a space and 
That's all, that's all they had to do. And the number of teachers that came to me after that and said that kids were coming out to them that, you know, or kids were just, or saying, thank you. Like, thank you for hanging that rainbow sticker. Well, that says so much for both sides of the equation, right? That is so meaningful. And it, it was just a little thing. It was just a little thing. And, 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 and wrapped up in it, you said, right, it's, it's willingness to be a visible, you know, beacon in terms of that. It's intentional space creating. It's intentional cueing. And, and for kids in the school who's, who themselves are on an identity journey or whose cousins are or whose brothers, sisters, parents, you know what I mean? That they're, that it, yes, that it is, it is both a, you know, a gesture alone, but also I think when we talk about how so much energy, and I don't know if this resonates with you, a lot of energy for young kids navigating gender or sexual orientation identities is the, is the you know, the noise of trying to guess. Are they, can they be okay here? Are they about to hear a viewpoint that is going to be a total negation of who they are? Is there a joke that's going to be made? It's it's like, it's like holding breath to determine if you're in a place where you might experience being othered, being outed, all these things that are unpleasant. And so, so communicating that there is an intention, not that it will be perfect. I'm sure there are missteps for all of us, myself, you know, in in general, I still make them, but this idea that creating the space for kids to come and for other teachers to step in as allies. And I love, you're like giving people direction. Like when you, when you find the helpers, when you find the allies, like giving them something concrete to do with that energy that is also really important too, rather than, than, than only being, you know, stuck in the philosophy of it, which is hard to know how to enact. Right. I, I want to reflect on something you said about, um, you know, um, cousins or, or other family members or something like that. What was really interesting to me, the very first GSA meeting that we had, um, there were quite a few kids there. Uh, it was high school only at the time, and there were quite a few kids. And so I introduced myself, which most of the kids knew me. I was a teacher there at the time. You know, just just so you guys know, I'm cis, gay, male. I'm I have a husband, and um, that's that's who I am. And and I use my my pronouns, and I use he and him. And then I said everybody's welcome to share anything they want to share. If you want to identify yourself, you can, but you know, nobody has to say anything. Nobody has to out themselves. Nobody has to tell any, you don't have to say a word. You can just sit there and soak it all in. Everybody in the room spoke and there were at least 25 kids there. So every, every student in the room spoke. Um, I, I think all it, most, if not all, you know, talked about their pronouns. Every single one of them said, uh, I'm not gay. I'm an ally, which I thought was interesting. You know, okay. Okay. And, but quite a few of them gave concrete stories about a person in their life that had been mistreated and they wanted to be in the group because they wanted to do something to make it better. So a lot of them were fellow students who were not in the room. And they said, you know, I have a friend who's not here right now, but you know, he gets bullied or she gets bullied. And I want to, I want to learn how to be a better friend and a better ally, which that's about the most beautiful thing in the world. Right. And then, um, but there were kids who talked about uncles and aunts. I have an uncle who is gay and my family, you know, makes fun of him or mistreats him. And it was so incredibly touching to me. I mean, I wanted to believe that some of those kids were LGBTQ. Like I was hoping I was reaching some of them. But it does. It doesn't matter. It was so touching that here were high school kids, you know, teenagers who were like, "I have an aunt, or I have an uncle, or I have a cousin," and you know, they get teased or they get bullied, and I just want to, I want to know how to do a better job. So, even if the LGBTQ kids weren't there, the effect of the the club and just our meeting and just holding a space, you know, just saying from this thirty minute period once a week, this room is safe space and, and, and you can come in and we can talk about things and you can ask other classmates about, you know, were you there when this bullying thing happened and what did you do and what should we do and how should we handle it? it, it it's just so invaluable. 
so invaluable. And and I talked too about the just the difference, like change so often comes from the upstanders. If bystanders start being upstanders, then the onus, the weight of having to speak up, the burden of having to say ouch directly, if we can share some of that, then then that it is. It takes other cis hetero folks it takes other white people it takes you know what i mean to turn to each other and be like right what was that like not cool right no because you can't you know it's so easy to to write off motives or to think somebody's too sensitive right like it but the more upstanders there are for folks who are adjacent and it can only help in addition to the people navigating right. the, the walk directly because so many times what I've seen, and I don't know if this is your experience too. Well, two thoughts. More of what I hear from young people today is less direct, derisive, nasty comments and more mockery or more like expecting gay students to be like entertainment or like your <laughs> language changes when they talk to somebody once that person is out and they're yes queening throughout you know all like this is what kids were <laughs> saying to me that, that like what which piggybacks a little bit on this question that i have next i hear from other folks who are um, cisgender and heterosexual, other, you know, progressive parent friends of mine, like my kids who are cis and heterosexual say that things are so, that they're fine now, that nobody cares, that everybody's bi, that, that like <laughs> my kids just don't see, like, this just isn't an issue anymore. And yet I sit in conflict because I have an entire caseload and social circle full of kids who are still really experiencing the weight of that otherness and the wondering and the invisibility and the, I mean, what are, what are you, what kinds of things do you hear about still happening in schools that kids are needing support with? Um, I wish I had an answer to that, but my experience is similar to yours. And, um, I, I did a staff development at my school about, um, it was like 10 ways to make the cl your classroom more inclusive. And there were 10 really of what I thought, what I thought were really simple, non-threatening kinds of things to do. For instance, one was using, um, pronouns and, I said, I made a suggestion that teachers could put their pronouns in their email, right? And I know that in, in, I know for a fact in, in a lot of colleges now, uh, professors require that their college students, uh, include, uh, pronouns even on work that they hand in so that the professor knows how to address the student if they want to talk to them about a paper. And, uh, and I know that at least in this case, because there was a teacher in the staff development who was a recent college graduate. And I made this suggestion, you know, you could put your pronouns in there, even if you're cis heterosexual and you use, you know, the pronouns that people would assume you use, what it says to the student is, oh, this teacher understands this thing about pronouns. You know, they get it. Like they know that it, it's important to identify. And it right away, that just opens up a door to a kid like, oh, okay, you're, you're, you're a cis woman and you use she, her pronouns. Okay, but you get it. So I, maybe I can talk to you. And this, this uh, teacher that was in the, in the staff development, you know, she raised her hand and said, this is common in college. She's like, I just got out of four years of college. I had to put my pronouns on my paper. So it's not, you know, it wasn't this weird, uh, strange thing I pulled out of nowhere. And I just said that to the teachers. And um, there were a lot of, well, a lot. I don't want to generalize. I don't, but I don't know how else to speak to it. There were a number of teachers who said, you know, this isn't a problem at our school. And I'm like, tell me more about that. You know, uh, you know, we're, we're a community. We love each other. We support each other. You know, we have a good school. The families are great. The teachers are, and all of that is true. I, I, I you know, it was a great place. I was there for 14 years. I, I, I'm extremely fond of the school and the school culture and the people and the families and the kids, all of it. 
but you know, every family has its problems, right? And I'm like, it's just, I'm like, this is not what the kids are reporting. And uh, more than one teacher said that we don't have this problem. I really don't think this is a problem. Oh, the kids don't care about that kind of stuff anymore. But we, um, and actually the, the GSA meeting that led to my developing that staff uh, training, the kids, one kid's uh, student said something about their pronouns and how a teacher refused to use the preferred pronouns. And then all the other kids were chiming in on either that had happened to them or, you know, friends or similar kinds of things. And um, then one student said, you know, there's only one teacher on campus that cares about us. And I said, wow, I don't, that's, I don't think that's true that there's just one. So this student actually wrote the name of the student, uh, teacher on the board. And then I said, well, okay, let's talk about it. Who else, who else do you think, you know, has your back? And they put like three names and they said, that's it. There's just three. There's only three teachers. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really think that's, and I named a couple of teachers. Like, what about so-and-so? I think, you know, I think he's good. He even came to a meeting last week and okay, well maybe, you know, they, okay. All right. I guess, but my point and what I took from that, and I went to the head of school and I said, the perception, right? It's the perception of the GSA that teachers don't have their backs. And maybe the teachers do, but this is the perception and that's a problem. So the, so we need to change that. So I'm a little off track about your question, but I don't know. I There is this disparity um, between, again, the perception of, this is cool. And, you know, there's all these shows on television and the music that the kids listen to and pop stars and rappers are all coming out and movies and, you know, everything in popular. There's so much literature now, which is awesome. YA literature with LGBTQ characters. So that's happening, but I don't know left, you know, in a, in a safe space, the kids are still saying, and, and, and it's mockery, as you said, it's not the, it's not necessarily the in-your-face name-calling, bully, tough bullying. It's the mocking, especially about pronouns. Yes. Especially about pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, but they report, you know, and then some, what I would call smart alecky kids as well, you know, my pronouns are airplane, you yeah. know. Yes. It's I'm like, doing. you're not an airplane, you're not an airplane. Right. And like, and but like, it's the mockery. Yes. And what, yeah. And, and that is still othering. Plus you still have, even though there are more and more materials outside of schools, online, in, in media figures, curricular development has room for growth around the, just the normalization of books in preschools and classrooms and family formations and configurations. And, um, that we're not, when we talk about that, we're not only talking about how sexual education needs to change. Like there's this, again, this idea that, that suddenly your child's third grade teacher is going to become a massive proponent of discussing inappropriate bedroom <laughs> activity. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, but right. that's part of, I mean, unfortunately, that's how some of this gets really boiled down with misinformation and misunderstanding and less visibility then people can be reduced to this this thing that isn't fair and and it seems to be that even the kids high school kids are already experiencing being reduced to yeah mockery around pronouns and again as i said i had several students even adult um friends talk about this idea that once people know they're gay they just talk they they, talk, they speak to them differently. They want to talk about um, things they assume this person will be interested in. They want them to be sort of entertaining and quippy and fashionable and like arguably not necessarily negative stereotypes about being witty, but like still this pigeonholing, thing. like like you can't be a human and do And so there's still this sense of heightened attention, othering assumptions about who you are as a person. Right. Um, and like putting putting kids in awkward situations by engaging them in front of others with yes queening and doing this stuff where they don't know how to respond, where they don't look like a buzzkill, you know, publicly. So so I, it's, it's more nuanced. And I, you know, I celebrate all of the games that have been made but i also i wince inside when folks are like we don't need to keep putting energy 
to to this. Like we don't need to be so intentional. We don't actually need to be intentional because it's happening, you, you know, naturally by itself. If we force it, you're going to get a negative reaction to it. And I'm like, that is not what the kids who are actually living and growing and navigating these identities are saying. It's 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 there's still some allyship work there that the allies are trying to convince other people that there's that there isn't so much need for their allyship. And that's not what I'm getting from my from my right. kids directly. So right. Um, I think it just, I think it needs more education. I mean, you know, they're just the idea, even, even, you know, gender identity and gender expression and sexual or I think people are understandably confused. I mean, we're, we're talking about it really for the first time in history, right? We're really having, hopefully we're having these conversations and these didn't, these things didn't get talked about. I didn't, um, you know, I knew my sexual attraction, you know, from a very young age. And then when I reached a teenage year and, you know, I, okay, so that's, I get that. And I understand that that's what I am. Well, I can't say understand. I don't know that I understood it, but, you know, I accept that that's what's going on with me, but the idea of gender expression and gender identity were not things that were on my radar because I was a cis male. I, you know, I identified as a male. I, I was assigned male at birth. I was attracted to men. So all of that made sense in that little bubble. But the idea that there would be other variations on that, you know, yeah. and the idea, you know, I, I was, I grew up in the, the, the period and, you know, matured during the period where people didn't believe in bisexuality, right? That was just somebody was gay who was afraid to come out and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. would be like, okay, sure. He's bisexual. All right. All right. You know, it took me a long time to go like, wait, that's a real thing. So I think we all have to grow and we all have to learn and we all have to figure things out. But yeah. I, I think there might be something in there when we, when we talk about this mockery and this performative thing that we, we expect from these kids, it's because uh, maybe people don't know what else to expect. Well, okay, wow, this kid came out gay, and now I'm trying. I better talk to them about RuPaul because I don't know what else they're interested in, and maybe they could care less. You know, maybe right. they care about baseball. Right. You know. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, yeah. It comes. It, I think when it when I keep coming back to, and I, we could speak for hours, but it's a great place to kind of think about wrapping up. Is there's this beautiful just sort of. <laughs> It's overly simplistic, but there's a normalization of the humanity of all of it, right? We all come to know our sexual orientation. We all, at some point or another, you know, if we're if we're considering the gender identity piece, get some clarity among. It's a journey for all of us. But when you're navigating that, not in the mainstream, with less visibility, with fewer role models and intentional spaces, it can be all those things that you described in terms of lonely and, and isolated. And so I just keep trying to have these conversations about for, for people who are like, what, so again, I get it. I get like, what do I, what do I actually, you know, do with this now? How do I make the school environment? How do I make the softball team I'm on the, the soccer team I'm on? How do I make um, the spaces that I am in community? Like, you know, and we, we hit on some key things. What can I do to create those spaces? If, if I am a visible person in community, is it safe for me to come out? How can I be an ally to folks who can be visible? What's the cueing that might be helpful? What are some conversations to not be afraid to have? Is, is there any, what are, what are some final thoughts you'd like folks to think about if they're imagining, you know, how important it is and, concrete things to do to make even one life of a kid who is questioning their identities around this easier. Right. I mean, that's, that's something we all say, right. If I could just affect one life, you know, like if this thing that I do helped one person, um, I, I think I'd probably just read it. Maybe it's like summarizing things yeah. I've already said. Yeah. I definitely, would advise or, or encourage, I guess is the word, you know, if people can come out, they, they should come out and, and maybe it's not broadly, you know, maybe it's not posting something on Facebook, but maybe it's just confiding in, in somebody, or, you know, I think even as a teacher, if like I, I did, I, I was out 
but I wasn't always out. My, you know, I taught for 26 years. Earlier on, I would pick and choose when I could sort of drop a clue to a, a kid who I thought, you know, maybe was seeking some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, I like Broadway musicals, you know, like, <laughs> which is true for me. It's a, we're talking about, you know, cliches, yeah, but that's true no, for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God, I love that. You know, <laughs> just a way to like hint and just maybe open a little space for them if you can't really come out. So I think, but I think if you can, that's, that's important. Um, another thing I think teachers, if there are any teachers or if there are people that are, you know, who listen, who are in those kinds of leadership positions, I think they could, even if they, uh, well, not even if they are heterosexual and if they want to be allies, the simplest thing, I mean, I think you could, I really think you could put a rainbow sticker on your door and never say a word. And, and maybe a kid will say, Hey, what's that? And you could say, Oh, you know, I support, I support all kinds of kids. (laughs) I support everybody. Or, or, you know, or taking the temperature. Well, what, why is this kid asking me? Is, is he nosy or yeah. he's curious because he wants to know? I know what a rainbow means. Why do you have that on your door? So I think that's something that could be done. I mean, a, a, a bigger, a bolder step would be for that, for a teacher to uh, do what I did and, and, you know, say to the whole staff at a faculty meeting, I had these rainbow stickers. What they say is you're a safe space. You got the back of some kid who, you know, and and, and, and it, you may not even have students who ever say anything. I mean, we, we don't know, right? We don't know. Yes. What one kid sitting there in that class, eyeballing that rainbow sticker up on the bulletin board while they're listening to the lesson and thinking, okay, I feel okay while I'm sitting here. So I think, you know, that maybe moving that little agenda, like maybe we could get the teachers in my school or the other people in my office or whatever, you know, my practice to just put a subtle thing. And then even parents, I think, could go to um, administration and say, I think we ought to have a GSA. There are a lot of resources online for how to conduct that. And I can tell you when I started it, it was like, well, I need to do all this planning and I need to figure out. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to have the meeting. I'm just going to tell them who I am. I'm going to tell them what my reason is for wanting to have the group. We'll see if it flies, right? We'll see if the kids want to come. They did. And it just sort of rolled out from there. Sometimes what the kids wanted to do was talk. They just wanted to come and have a conversation about their pronouns. And they wanted to know they could say out loud, you know, my pronouns are she and her or they and them. And that everybody in the room was like, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing else to say, right? Awesome. Cool. Thank you. So I think, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be LGBTQ to, to sponsor a GSA. Anybody could do it. You know, and so that would be a bolder thing if you're if you're in a school and that's my that's my environment. So that's why I'm speaking yeah, so much to yeah, schools. But yeah. if you're not if you're a parent and you have a have a if you have a student, even if you don't have a student who's questioning or LGBT, you know, to say to the administration like, hey, we should, why don't we start a GSA or hey, can I start a GSA? I think those are things that that you can do. And and and. And I don't, I don't know, you know, if you're coaching a softball team or you're a Girl Scout leader or I don't, you know, a a church group, maybe, I don't know, maybe that wouldn't fly, but, uh, but I'd love it if it would. Yeah. Yeah. And it it really is. Yeah. It's visibility. It's permission. It is an an intent to see and not question, you know, to not actively undo, to not actively other, all of those things that we hope are sort of raindrops in a lake of of normalizing and humanizing and and um just meeting kids where they're at on their journey i think there's this sense right you suddenly you know this is something i you know if you give permission then we're going to have this onslaught of you you know it's like it does it, it no that what it does is is um allow space and increase visibility and and normalize and humanize and and allow kids to spend a little bit less time 
wondering how much of themselves to hide and and, yeah. and, and who is safe. So um, thank you. I think, you know, I really appreciate you putting time and energy into having this conversation be part of oh, yeah. that lake of support around this stuff yeah. and the drops. Of course. <laughs> Of course. Can I can I say one more thing? Yes. Well, one one of them is like you're talking about these kids. The 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 torture of constantly, constantly wondering, am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? And you know, I'm a full grown adult. <laughs> and uh, you know, there are still ripples of that. I still have to catch myself sometimes and go like, wait, that's me questioning myself because of something that happened you know decades ago it it you know it's just it's really it's still hard it's still hard and i'm a i'm a successful grown-up married person so that can last a long time the other thing i want to say um i had a therapist once who said uh if everybody who ever you know like was lgbtq plus in any way shape or form if one day everybody woke up you know uh, who had some kind of experience or a thought or, a, you know, woke up with a green star on their forehead, like the world would change dramatically <laughs> in an instant. And I know it's a fantasy, but I always think like, you know, even, even people professing to be like, I'm a thousand percent heterosexual and I never think about or never experimented or never would. I just, I don't buy it. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure there are some people who, who, of course, but never, ever, maybe, kind of, sort of, you can't walk in those shoes for a moment and say, well, like, I kind of get how that could happen. I just, we'd, we'd all be changed dramatically. Right. And, and, and yeah, recognizing the, the beautiful diversity of people's experience around Right, some people are right. static. For some people, it changes. For some people, it's squarely this and that. And, but but way fewer, right? For the binary folks that we thought were either all gay or right. all you know straight, a thousand percent. We're, we're learning that we have to fiddle with them. those edges are a lot grayer and blurrier than we thought right. they were. If right. you're open to accurate information, so that's the last plug too: is to yeah. continue to educate folks around you, stay in conversations, and thank you so yeah. much for coming today. You're welcome. I'm My really pleasure. Excited. I know. As a last thought, I want to have people reach out to you if you're listening in um, Hawaii. Do you want to say anything about the recent stuff you're doing for community building and if how folks can oh, find yeah. you? Yeah. What are you doing here that you would love folks to be able to find you through? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I sort of inherited, I will say, I'd inherited a digital newsletter. Um, and here on the island of Kauai, um, which uh, used to go out, there was another, um, I'm, the, I'm the editor. And so there was another editor would go out when there were like, uh, they would do like a bonfire or something on the beach. And so it was basically an email list. Friday night, seven o'clock, you know, potluck on the beach at such and such a beach. And, uh, I, I, I say I inherited, I wanted it. I was kind of secretly campaigning to get it, <laughs> I coveted it. but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called garden Island tea. And I, I'm always asked like, Oh, there's a tea shop on Kauai. There is no tea shop on Kauai that I know of. It refers to, uh, spilling the tea, which is a sort of a gay, you know, little, uh, expression, which means to spill the spill a tea really means tea stands for truth. So it really means spill the truth. So if somebody says, what's your tea or what's the tea, it means like what's, what's going on, what's happening, what's the truth. And so this is a digital newsletter and I include information about events. Like we just had our pride events, uh, pride festival, pride parade. Uh, we have like a drag queen brunch once a month. There's a group of people that do that different, you know, anything that I think would be of interest to the, um, island community. And, uh, it's, I've expanded it quite a bit. I mean, there are sewing classes and voice lessons and art lessons. And now I'm putting in, um, almost like classified ads, people seeking work and people having an apartment to rent. So I'm really, I mean, the, the big, I'll, I'll tell you 
the two things. The big overarching objective is for me to increase communication within the community because I think there are things that happen and people don't know about them. And I recently encountered a couple elderly uh, LGBTQ men who were like, I didn't know there was a pride parade and I didn't know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, and these are people who are, are somewhat disconnected. So the real underlying, the heart objective of it is that I want to connect people in the community. I, I think we are, you know, we're a small island. I don't know what our LGBTQ population is, but there's probably more, there's more of us than they think, you know, yeah. than we know. And I really want to reach out to those people who feel isolated and feel lonely and feel like they don't. I had one man say, I don't have any, you know, he told me and my husband, like, you're basically my only gay friends. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's lots of, lots of people that, you know, would invite you to a potluck or to, a, you know, come and hang out with us at the parade or whatever. So I'm really, I just really want to connect people. And I also hope that people maybe will be inspired to do something. So they'll get the newsletter and then they'll say, hey, I maybe I'll have a Oscar Academy Awards yeah. party at my house one yeah. hour. Oh, the 4th of July is coming up. I could have a little pool party and see if anybody wants to come. So I'm hoping it will inspire people to do things. But I just don't want people to feel lonely and isolated. Yeah. So I can, I the newsletter goes out about twice a month. And if people want to subscribe, they can just email me. It's Garden Island Tea, T-E-A, Garden Island Tea at gmail.com. And awesome. I'll add you to the list. And that's a perfect place because it really is community, connection, visibility, showing up for one another, holding each other's truths. That's, that's yeah. exactly these conversations. So thank you for offering that. Yeah. The next, uh, just yeah. my final thought, the, la- the next edition comes out. I don't know when, when your uh, podcast yeah. goes, but the next edition goes out June 30th and I have my first uh, information about a teen LGBTQ support group. So yeah, it's even if, even if you're not LGBTQ and you don't care about the pride parade, but you have youth in your, in your life or in your family uh, who may be questioning or maybe, you know, LGBTQ, I'm, I want to include things like that as resources for maybe a parents like, wow, this might be good for my kid. Yeah. So yay. Thank you for that, Philip. Yeah. Thank you for your, you're welcome. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say, I am so glad you joined and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.